so excited at the end of this service to be able to baptize my brothers and sisters in Christ that are making a public declaration. I follow Jesus. I've decided, made up my mind. Before we get to that, I want to, uh, I'm the kind of guy that likes to have fun in church. I, I don't think it should ever be boring. I don't think it should ever be casual or mundane. I don't think anything about eternity is going to be boring. So let's make sure that church isn't boring. <laughs> So what I want to do is uh, just have some fun with you just a moment. So, Gian, uh, let's give that first. I just want to give you some instruction about what's going to happen today if, if you resist a little bit in terms of baptism. I just want to, here we go. Baptism the right way. The right it's way. just going to show you three simple steps right here of how to administrate a baptism to perfection. The first thing that you always want to do is you want to grab this person and you want to push them under the water. If they don't fully submerge, you want to grab them by the throat and push a little bit harder. If it doesn't work that time, you always jump on them and ride them to the deep end. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. I promise I won't do that today. I promise. And, and, and just one more challenge. Just give them one more. Just in case you've... You, you, there's, a, there's, there's the way to get baptized right there. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. All right. Not happening today. Praise the Lord. If you have, a, if you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. This is where we've been all month long in the series, our Sound Doctrine series. Before I get into Acts chapter 2, though, I'd like to just kind of speak to something here because you know, clearly we're going to see people submerged in water in some form or fashion today. And I realized as I was watching these videos that every one of us occupies one of three spaces. We're either sinking, we are surviving, or we are thriving. Sinking, surviving, or thriving. By thriving, I mean we're winning or winning. Mama Irving caught the Holy Ghost back there. She was, uh, that, was, that was such a good video. I see her. She's having a good time. So that's good. That's what I want you to enjoy the presence of God. Clearly, Mama's winning. Come on, somebody. Thriving in this season. Sinking means this. Those of you who are, feel like you're in a, in a space of sinking, you are feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling overworked. You're feeling overburdened. You're feeling underappreciated. You are, you are, you're feeling under. Pressure. I'm, I'm sinking in this season. Those of you are in another space, you, you are surviving. You're, you're hardly making it. You're, your head is just above water. You are, you're barely holding on or, or even just barely breaking even. That's surviving. And then other of you are like Mama Irving right there. You are thriving right now. You are building. You are prospering. You are flourishing. You are growing. You are expanding. You are overcoming. You, you are giggling if necessary. You're killing it right now because I'm in a season where I'm thriving. So my question to you today is, where are you? Are you sinking? Are you barely surviving? Are you thriving? And you might say back to me, well, pastor, that, that, that depends. What area of my life are you asking about? Maybe your marriage is surviving, but your, and maybe your finances are, are sinking, but, but maybe just maybe your career is thriving. Maybe, maybe just maybe your, your, your family is, is thriving. In different areas, we are sinking. We are, we are surviving. We are thriving. And I recognize that there are, there are areas right now where you are you're absolutely thriving. You're, you're working out. You're eating better or you're about to, right? You, you, are, you, you look at your personal life and you're like, I'm thriving in this area of my life. But my faith is sinking. But my walk with God is barely surviving. So it really just depends on the area of your life that I'm speaking to. Because in some areas, we are absolutely sinking. And in some areas, we are absolutely thriving. 
I know that everyone is somewhere in the process. Here's the key to this process of sinking, surviving, or thriving. The key is don't get stuck. This is the victory here. You have to decide my life is going to be defined by the heaven that I'm heading towards and not by my past failures or my current problems. My life is going to be defined by what is ahead because I am more than just what's in my bank account. Come on, somebody. I'm more than just my daily routine. I am more than just my sinful struggles. I am more than just my past failures. People who are sinking, they have no victory. People who are surviving, they have no hope. But people who are thriving, we have something we hold on to because I recognize I'm thriving because of who I belong to. I'm a child of the most high God. And the reason you're going to be thriving in this next season is because you shall have no other gods before him. This is the key to actually thriving. Can I show you how David said in Psalms 92? He said, the righteous thrive like a palm tree. Verse 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, this is for somebody today, will thrive in the courts of our God. This is why you need to stay connected to the house of the Lord, this place where his presence is. The promise is that we will thrive in this season. When I look at the world around us, I realize that and I'll, I'll say this carefully and cautiously. I, I realize that this week we've, the search was on for a, a submarine on its way down to the Titanic that just, who knows what happened. Simultaneously, there was a vessel, uh, a fishing vessel that had, had over 700 people packed onto it and capsized, and over 600 of them lost their lives. And can I just say this quickly? For those of you who feel the need to mock other people's deaths, I don't care if they're a billionaire or an immigrant. They still matter to God. Their lives matter to God. And as believers, we should really just be careful how we go and mock the death of someone we don't know. So you got to be careful. Can I get an amen? And I'm not saying that to, to in any way be a, or to have this kind of play on words when I'm talking about sinking, surviving, or thriving, I'm simply saying in our world around us, there's a mindset that the world has. And it's because of their revelation, Rev. The revelation keeps them moody. The revelation keeps them angry. The revelation keeps them cranky. The, the revelation or lack thereof keeps them petulant. The, the revelation or lack thereof keeps them selfish. This is the world's mindset. And that's why they're just trying to get to the next paycheck. And they're trying to get to the next weekend. And they're trying to get to the next fix. And they're trying to get to the next hit. And they're, they're trying to get to that next vacation. Why? Because their mindset is that of a survivor. Survival mode is a mindset and they're just barely surviving. But the reason that Christians can live through the same circumstance as certain people and, and, and the reason we can come out with a different attitude is because we have a different mindset going in. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says we have the mind of Christ. Listen to me. When you have the mind of Christ, it's actually hard to whine and it's hard to complain and it's hard to be upset and it's hard to throw a temper tantrum. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is constantly revealing to me the will of God for my life so I can't be upset because this too shall pass sinking surviving God's not going to leave me there it becomes very hard for a Christian to worry and whine when the Holy Spirit is revealing to me God's point of view and what is God's point of view 1 Corinthians 2 9 no eye has seen no ear has heard 
No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Can you poke your neighbor and just say, God isn't making your life up. He's got plans for you. He's got plans for you. But here it is. God has revealed these, these things that I don't know, these things I don't understand, these plans that are prepared for me. God has revealed them by his spirit. That's why I don't freak out like the world. I have the mind of Christ, and by the spirit of God, he keeps revealing to me God's perspective for my life. Verse 12 says, we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. That spirit of worry and fear, that spirit of anger and selfishness, that's not what we've received. We've received God's spirit so I can know the things, the, those wonderful things that God has freely given to us. So we talk about Acts chapter 2 and what happened in the early church. I kind of had to ask myself, what are the, what, how was that the early church went from sinking? Remember, if you remember the story, they were in hiding in fear for their lives. How did they go from sinking to surviving now okay we're just going to wait in that upper room like jesus told us we're just barely surviving how do they go from sinking to surviving to thriving how do they move from failing jesus in his hour of need abandoning him to to surviving oppression and persecution to literally thriving in the face of it all can i help somebody in the last days the real church of jesus christ will come under serious persecution but do you realize that the church never grows in peacetime? The church always expands during times of persecution. I'm not praying for it. I just need to let you know when things start getting really bad and the government turns on us and they are going to jail us for certain things we proclaim and say that is when the church of Jesus Christ really begins to hit its momentum and growth begins to take place. It's in the face of persecution that we can still thrive. How did the other church do this though? How they had no educational skills. They had no political clout. They, they had no property that they owned. They had, didn't have televisions. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. But they did have something, or rather, someone. Whew. I feel like the modern church has abandoned this someone, Rev. Paul said it like this one time in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, do not quench the spirits. The reason you can thrive in the face of persecution is because you have not quenched the spirit of God in your life. You might know the Christian author, A.W. Tozer. He wrote like this one time. He said, if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop. And everybody would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. This is why they could thrive because they had someone with them constantly and they refused to quench the move of God. So what I believe Acts chapter 2 does is this for us. I believe what it does is it gives us a prescription to the current church. How do I move from sinking and surviving to thriving? All right, read it with me. I'll be quick about this. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. Someone say a sound. 
a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared on them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 11. Here's what they were saying. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're drunk. That's all. Woo. Look at this next verse. Then Peter stood up with the 11 and shouted to the crowd. Wait, 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 wait. Who addressed the crowd? Who spoke to the haters? Ooh, Petey. Wait, 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 wait. The, the, the same Petey who was walking on water but then fell in the water is now standing up? Wait, the, the, the same Petey who hid from the crowd and denied that he even knew Jesus is now addressing the crowd about Jesus? Wait, wait the, the same Petey who was cussing around the fire is now full of fire and consumed by passion? Wait, wait, wait. Can, can I just remind you of this? Especially those who are getting baptized, I want to remind you of this. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. I need an amen from somebody who knows what I'm talking about. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. Today's complacency becomes tomorrow's captivity. This is why we cannot be complacent in our walk with God. Here's why there's no such thing as comfortable Christianity, complacent Christianity, because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. That means literally give up your own way, your own will, your own desire. Take up your cross and follow me. At this moment, Peter understood what Jesus meant. I am his follower. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to deny my pride. I'm going to deny my, my, my shame, what people might think of me. And at that moment, when the Holy Spirit came down, the Bible tells us what Peter did. Peter stood up. Can I tell somebody today, the Holy Spirit did not come down so you could stay down. The Holy Spirit did not come down so you could be complacent. The Holy Spirit did not come down so that you could fall asleep in church. The Holy Spirit did not come down so you can have a lukewarm, casual, mediocre experience with the presence of God. The Holy Spirit came down so that you and I can get up. Peter stood up in that moment. He stood up. The Bible tells us, Rev, it doesn't say be touched by the Spirit. The Bible doesn't say be pampered by the Spirit. Thank you, Dev. Uh, honestly, sometimes, Michael, I, I, I love you all, but sometimes I feel like you're in the wrong service. I feel like I need to walk you over to the nursery spiritually because your diaper stinks and you're just sitting in it. And I, I came to remind you the whole reason the Holy Spirit came down was not so he could pamper you, not so he could coddle you, not so he could make you feel good about yourself, not even so he could move you, not even so that he could make you aware of him or even excited about him. Ephesians 5.18 says the whole reason the Holy Spirit came is so we could be filled with the Spirit. Filled. And the reason you sit there with your arms folded staring off into space right now is because you forget 
This is the present tense of the verb. I'm not to be filled one time and that's enough. This is a continuous filling that happens in my life. Be filled again and again. Keep being filled with the Spirit because every time I am filled with the Spirit, He will move me from sinking to thriving. He will move me from surviving to thriving. He will move me from existing to supernatural living. Can I get an amen from somebody who knows? I need to be filled with the Spirit because He's going to move me from just hanging on to now I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. The reason I need to keep being filled with the Spirit is because I keep coming to God saying, Lord, bless me. But He wants to move me from just begging for a blessing to becoming the blesser. He wants to move me. That's why I have to keep being filled with the Spirit. Can I illustrate this, if I can, for a moment, what happened on the day of Pentecost? If I know anything about sound, sound creates atmosphere. Sound creates mood. I'm driving along. Someone cuts me off and then honks at me. Gives me the finger. You honking at me has created a, a, an atmosphere. And then you swearing at me has created a mood. Let's just try this for just a moment. I'm not going to ask you to cuss at the person next to you. Would you mind just maybe yelling at them a little bit? Just yell at them. Just yell at them. Just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this happens a lot. I get in certain people's homes, okay? Somebody's trying to act like we never yell at each other. Yeah, okay. Keep lying to yourself. Uh, we, we, we be yelling all the time. We be yelling on the way to church. And then we walk like, God is so good. And I love my family so much. Yelling creates a mood. It creates an atmosphere. Let's try this. Anybody got a birthday coming up? Anybody got a birthday coming up? Got any birthday coming up? But Michael's got a birthday. Anybody else got a birthday coming up? Jalen's got a birthday coming up. Come on, celebrate some birthdays. Y'all celebrate some birthdays. Hey, you're amazing. You're here for a purpose. Something about celebrating creates a mood and an atmosphere. Revda, let's give, let's give, let's give him some of those romantic chords, my guy. Oh, yeah. Come on, somebody. Don't act like it. Don't do it to you. Come on. It creates a mood. It creates an atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Enough of that. Enough of that. Enough of that. Pastor creating the mood. Let's give one more, Dev. Sound creates mood. It creates atmosphere. Y'all remember the movie from the 70s, right? And then the song that took over, Baby Shark, do, 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 do. Baby Shark, do, 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 do. Baby Shark, do, 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 do. Baby Shark. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sound creates, all right, we're good, Dev. <laughs> it creates mood, atmosphere. That went from being scary to all of a sudden silly. What happens when I begin to understand how this works biblically? And pastor, what does any of this have to do with the day of Pentecost? Because on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, he didn't just move Peter to stand up. He moved Peter to speak up. 
Somebody's going to catch us in your spirit today. Look at verse 37. Peter was preaching this message. Verse 37 tells us Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said this. He said, each of you must repent. Someone how repent. Repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive. Someone say receive. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far off all the way in Aurora, Illinois in 2023. All who have been called by our God. And look at verse 41. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. I can't imagine how long this baptism service went, Miss Tracy. 3,000 people got saved and baptized that day. What's my point? The Holy Spirit just moved Peter to stand. He moved Peter to shout. He moved him to speak. He moved him to declare things with his mouth. Maybe you don't know this, but I, I need to tell a modern American church, there is no such thing as a mute Christian. There is no such thing as soundless praise. I get you got your little whisper of worship, but that's not praise. In fact, the Bible tells us many more times to praise the Lord than to get caught up in worship. There is no silent praise. There is no whisper shouting. It doesn't work that way. You sound like the Lord of the Rings with that brother in Gollum. Don't do that. And above all else, for those of us who were raised Pentecostals, there's no thing as a silent Pentecostal. It just don't exist. I call him an oxymoron. Can you look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be an oxymoron. There is no such thing as the quiet Christian. There's no such thing as a silent Pentecostal. I've preached this before, but I need you to know, what is the reason the enemy tries to keep me silent? Because silence is the sound of defeat. This is why I can't watch my white socks, because they keep losing. Besides cussing at them, I'm usually just sitting there in silence because they're losing. That is the sound of defeat, silence. But when you begin to understand that Satan has tried to keep you silent, and society has tried to censor you, and literally rejection and sorrow have kept you from experiencing the power and the grace and the move of God. You've been suppressed. I just need to remind you, if silence has a sound, then so does victory. Victory has a sound. And that sound is a sound of praise and shouting to the Lord. David said, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Victory has a sound. It's called your shout. Victory has a sound. It's called your praise. I dare you to put your hands together. Open up your mouth and Let's say no. You will not keep me silent anymore. Come on, people of God. You sat there, lukewarm, lackadaisical, silent. Open up your mouth and shout the victory. Shout the victory. Shout the victory. Don't get this backwards. Too many Christians wait till God does something and then they shout. That's not what it says. Before I have the victory, I will open my mouth and declare it. I've got it. I've got it. Stand your feet with me. I'm done. Stand your feet with me. 
Hold up real quick. Hold up real quick. There you go. Somebody's getting it. Instead of moving on to what's next, don't let the human agenda keep you from the supernatural revelation of what God is trying to show you today. We're not just being loud to be obnoxious. We're not just yelling because that's what we do in church. We are letting the enemy know, you've kept me silent long enough. I will open up my mouth and declare the praises of him who's called me out of darkness. So don't sit here and say, Pastor, God's got to do something before I shout. You're upside down and backwards. That's not how this works, by faith. By faith, what I see is this. I always see this, Rev. Sound precedes a manifestation. Sound precedes the victory. Before I hear it, or before I, before I even see it, I hear it. I hear it. Have you ever been in a, a tornado, anywhere near a tornado? I can hear that thing sometimes before I even see it. Sound precedes that manifestation. Don't think it's true? Let me give you scriptures. Genesis 1. In the beginning, everything was empty and void. And what did God do? God spoke. And here's your big bang. Stuff began to appear. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat and the Israelites were surrounded by three different invading armies. But guess how they won? Not with the sword. They won with their sound. They began to praise God. And God destroyed their enemies. Acts 16, Paul and Silas have been beaten and thrown in prison. And while they're sitting there in the midnight hour, they're not whining, they're not complaining, they're not telling God I quit. No, they begin to open up their mouth, pray, and sing praises to God. And their sound begin to shake the foundation of that prison. And even the church of Jesus Christ was born from a sound. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, and they were in one mind and one accord, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Whew. Understand this. The whole reason the sound came from heaven so that we could have a voice on earth. How do you take a group of uneducated men who are hiding because they just saw their savior, their leader, crucified, buried, but then resurrected and telling them, I've got a greater gift for you. Go and wait. How do you take these uneducated men who were at one time in fear for their very lives, now willing to proclaim, I've seen Jesus alive and I'll proclaim it until you take my life. What convinces them other than a resurrected Savior and the empowering of His Spirit? And they took their voice around the world. The reason many of us have heard the gospel today is because 2,000 years ago, whew, a sound came from heaven and empowered man's sound on earth. The reason some of you are here today right now isn't just because you're visiting. It's because somebody was empowered from a, the power of heaven, the sound of heaven, and they opened their mouth and they said, hey, you need to come to church with me. You need to be in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit came down with the sound 
so that we could stand up with a voice. And I know this. Listen to me. It's no secret the enemy will do. It's no, come on. We know Satan's tactics. He will come after your health. He will come after your children. He will come after your marriage. He will come after your finances. He will come after your faith. I can hear the enemy whispering to some of you right now. I, I, I will send my worst temptation. I will send my, my worst disappointment. I will send my worst distraction, my worst division. I will send my worst destruction. And can I tell you, the whole key to confusing your enemy is refusing to give up your sounds. I refuse to give up my sound. If you could help me just for a moment with our hands raised right now. Because I want to know where are those people who have been silenced by Satan long enough. Where are those believers who are ready to raise the volume? Just like Peter, I'm going to tell the world, repent from your sins and receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Whew. Come on, we, in this last day and age, we need some believers who are going to stand up and speak up and silence the accuser. Stand up and speak up. Even in the face of my death, I'm going to be like Paul. I will. It's for to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm going to keep proclaiming Jesus. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, these last days, we need some believers to stand up and speak up and cast out demons in Jesus' name. Stand up and speak up and heal the sick in Jesus' name. Stand up and speak up and speak in other tongues and prophesy. Stand up and speak up in these last days and be fruitful, be faithful, be holy. Bring it out with our hands raised. I promise you we are the church of Jesus Christ. And though hell might prevail against you, Jesus promised the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. It's time to get connected to his church. This is how I thrive when I'm planted in the house of God. With our hands raised, it's all right, just for one longer. I came to declare to somebody right now, you weren't meant to struggle. You weren't meant to sink. You weren't meant to survive. Come on, with our eyes closed right now. You weren't meant to be shackled by anxiety. You weren't meant to be bogged down with fear. You weren't meant to be overwhelmed with worry. No, no, no. I came to tell you today that winning is your witness. Thriving is your witness. Right here, I prophesy over your life that you are meant to know God and to make God known. This is why you cannot be silent in these last days. I don't care how they mock you. I don't care how they ridicule you. I don't care what they say about you. In these last days, your coworkers need to know about God. Your family needs to know about God. Your neighbors need to know about God. Politicians and school teachers and business owners need to know about God. Your life is not just to know him, it's to make him known. I want to pray this over you right now, whoever this is for. Father, I thank you that in these moments, you are moving us from sinking, moving us from surviving. You're moving us into a life of winning and thriving. Winning is my calling, ladies and gentlemen. Winning, winning is what it means to thrive. Father, 
I thank you today that victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Ooh, if I can find a believer to tell Satan, get thee behind. Because victory today is mine. If you believe that, put your hands together and put a shout on that. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Amen. Amen. Before Pastor Olga comes up here and she announces, I don't know, I just lost my voice. Help me, Lord. The enemy trying to take my sound, but watch out. The devil is a liar. As we get ready to announce those getting baptized and we get ready to pray over them, I want you to know how we do it here at Impact Church. <clears throat> I'm a celebratory guy. Yeah. I love to celebrate victory. And the idea of what we are doing according to Romans 6 is we are moving from death to life, from sinking and surviving to winning and thriving. That's what this means today. This is not a religious practice that Christians do. This is a celebration for the world to know what Jesus did in my heart and in my mind. I'm making it evident to the world around me. I belong to Jesus. And this is why when we get outside and we dunk them in the water, and a couple people, a couple people before service wanted to bribe me and hold them down a little bit longer. Brad, I promise I won't do that. But the idea, according to Romans six, is I'm being like Jesus, being buried, and then I'm coming back, resurrecting to new life in Jesus Christ. Is a uh, is Furman Sr. in the house? Furman Sr. Reverend Furman Sr. Right there. Man of God, I want to thank you for reminding our dream team today. What we are doing is we are celebrating death to the old self and celebrating the new life, the new creation that we are in Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Water doesn't save you. If you think the water saves you, then you're going to leave this place and you're just going to be wet. The blood of Jesus and faith in his death and resurrection is what saves you. I just want to be clear. I just want to be clear. Just in case, well, why don't we baptize babies? What about the people who never get a chance to get baptized but put their faith in Jesus? Because to think that I can do something to earn my salvation is to say I need to get baptized so I can be saved. No, I get baptized because he already saved me and I need you to know he's changed me as well. So, just want to be clear. Just want to be clear. Okay. In terms of what we get ready to do, Pastor Olga, come and join me. What we're going to do is we're going to celebrate these people. Just like if you were sitting in the hospital room and and someone's giving birth to a baby. Someone you knew, let's be clear. Someone who was giving birth to a baby. Yeah, so excited. Yes, it's amazing. We are celebrating new life today. So I want to encourage you when we get out there. 
yell, rejoice, scream, take pictures, jump around, celebrate this new life. But after I baptize everyone, what I'm going to do today is I'm also going to lay my hands on you. I'm going to pray that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well. Amen? Amen. Are you excited about what God is doing in people's lives and what we're going to celebrate together? Amen.